if I was, if I was going to really throw myself into this Christian music career, that kind of meant I was either going to be alone, um, or I was, you know, going to be living a lie and I wasn't okay with either of those things. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. I am so excited that you are here today. This is such a good show. Um, we have Connor Smith, who is an L.A. session singer, composer, arranger. He has sung on sessions for the likes of Disney, Knott's Berry Farm, 20th Century Fox, just to name a few. Um, he's making a really good living doing that. Has had, um, I think, three of his works published um, as an arranger and composer. So we talk about both of those worlds and how to get, um, you know, what they are and how to get work in those worlds. I know so many of us want to get into the session singer world. So we talk about, um, you know, doing a good demo, what goes into a good demo, um, you know, what's in his, what his um, setup is like at home because he recorded his at home, um, how long it should be, you know, everything. We just get into it and it's really good stuff. So, you know, I'm really excited that you're listening because I think this is really going to help a lot of you. Um, who want to get into this world. We also talk a little bit about voiceover work, which he does some of. Connor and I met um, recently at um, Wendy Wagner's Art of Pop Vocal Production Workshop. And for those of you who don't know Wendy Wagner, she was um, on episode four of this podcast. Um, she gave an interview. She's one of the top singers, uh, top session singers um, in L.A., and so she gives advice in that interview that um, n nobody gives you. I mean, it's just, you know, she's so generous and compassionate and just such a good human, um, you know, tells you really what you need to know. It's like somebody pulling you aside and just saying, OK, this is what you need to know. Were you aware of this? OK, you should know this. I mean, it's, it's just gold and you've got it there, you know. Um, so take a listen to it if you haven't heard it yet. It's just valuable stuff. And Connor has some great insights as well. He's doing very well in that world. And um, so he gives some really great advice too. And I just want to say um, on a side note, for those of you who don't know, um, I've started a Working Singer podcast um, Facebook group community um, that you can all go to um, to ask your questions and, um, you know, talk about these episodes, you know, something that struck you, your own takeaways, um, just any questions you have, anything that you want to say, you can say it in this um, community. It's on Facebook. Please come join. Let's continue the conversation. 
but it's just another fun way for us to connect. And I've got some other things, you know, in store that I want to bring to you within the next couple of months. I'm just thinking about like different things that I can make for you guys. Um, you know, I'm really having fun connecting with you guys and interacting with everybody and just expanding my world a little bit because, you know, it's just so easy to um, work and go home and work and go home and like, you know, nothing ever really changes. So, you know, it's just another reason that I did this so that I can kind of reach out and, you know, um, connect with you guys in another way. And really, you know, I've really gotten to know my friends so well, like most of the people that I've um, interviewed so far, I've sung with and, you know, we do gigs together, but we don't always get the opportunity to have these, conversations because you know one gigs are usually very loud so there's probably some dj playing in the middle of <laughs> whatever sets if we're like at a club or we're at a restaurant or something like that um you know there's not really a chance to have those kind of in-depth conversations so that's really something that i've been grateful to have um you know doing this podcast and having um these conversations um with with my friends so um, you know, and I'm really grateful that you guys are listening. I really and truly am. So head on over to the Facebook group. It's the Working Singer um, podcast community. Join, you know, introduce yourself, ask any questions you have. Everybody there is so friendly and lovely and kind and supportive. And, um, you know, have a lot of people who um, I've interviewed already are in the group and, We'll certainly answer any question um, that you've got. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, using it as a dust rag. They have, <laughs> they've got great advice. So, um, but um, I just want you to know about that resource. Yeah, great show for you today. I can't even tell you. You know, it was everything that I hoped it would be. Um, like I said, I met Connor at Wendy Wagner's uh, workshop. I had been following him on Facebook for a little while, so I was happy that he was there. And, you know, um, I asked him if he'd be on the show, and he said um, he obviously agreed, and I was really excited to have him on. And, um, you know, just the, just the, we really do get into, you know, self-acceptance. And I really love how he has been able to weave, you know, accepting himself into having a career that works for him um because as much as we say that you know we're singers and that's not all we are um we're not our job i mean so much of us getting hired can depend on who we are or who we say we are and um it's just a really important conversation to have i feel and i'm glad we had it here on the show and i i know that so many of you listening um maybe you're in you know a struggle of your own i hope that this is really inspiring for you um you know i hope that um this brings you you know not only the resources that you want for your career but you can see um somebody else really being uh, strong, somebody knowing themselves, um, having this kind of self-awareness at pretty young age, and not just having that strength, but really having vulnerability. So we get into all of that, you know, on the show. And, um, and Connor was really generous and compassionate to have this conversation, and brave and courageous to have this conversation with me. And I am really honored that he did. 
So without further ado, the delightful, with his hair finely coiffed and his, his skin very clear, very clear skin. You know, I've made note of that like in his photos before I saw him, but I met him in, when I met him in person, I was like, gosh, this guy's like great skin. <laughs> so without further ado, Connor Smith. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Of course, I'm, I'm so honored that you asked. Yeah, well, I'm honored that you agreed because I, I think you, you know, I've been watching you on Instagram. I think um, you're doing really interesting stuff. It's, um, thank you, thank you. I love, I just the other day you posted um, a song, Sorry Not Sorry, another song yeah. I'm obsessed with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, you did, tell me how you did that arrangement. That is so freaking good. Well, thank you. Uh, the, that arrangement is actually, it's based off of um, an arrangement that was on an acapella album called Episode Unplugged. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of, I listened to that, took some ideas from that, and then put a little, my own little twist on it um, at the end. But yeah, the, that, that video, and, and I've posted a couple others mm -hmm. recently. Um, that was just for the month of March. I wanted to do something fun and special and challenge myself so uh yeah. i've been i've been making um some 60 second covers acapella covers and putting them on social media just to challenge my creativity and to be putting stuff out there um so that you know people like people like you see them and notice them and yeah, yeah. so good thank so you good. thank you oh my gosh so I, I, well, I know what I read about you on your website and, and all that kind of thing, but where are you from? Tell me about you. Yeah. So, so I, uh, grew up in San Dimas, California, which is about 30 minutes out of Los Angeles, if there's no traffic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, so I, I've kind of always been musical. My, my mom's side of the family is all very musical. Um, they were in their own little family band when they were growing up. Um, my grandma was teaching me how to play piano when I was four years old. So um, it's kind of always been in my roots. Um, and I come from a uh, church background. So that's kind of where I cut my teeth musically, um, you know, singing in worship bands and in the church choir and, and doing all that stuff. Um, I did musical theater throughout high school, and I sang in in choirs um, for as long as I can remember. I, that's just always been what I loved doing. Um, I I have always loved music and singing, and that that's just kind of been my release and passion. Um, so. So yeah, so I I did music and and theater all through through high school and growing up. And then I went to um, a private Christian college in Riverside um, to get my bachelor's degree. Um, and I studied music composition. Um, and this, this program um, was a fantastic, fantastic program and a fantastic school. Um, and I chose it because there were so many opportunities to perform um, in my, four years there, well, six years, because I, I did a master's degree after the bachelor's, but um, I, just in my time there, I got to see the entire country. Um, I performed in uh, over 700 concerts. Wow. Um, 
So that's why I wanted to be at that program because we were constantly on the road, constantly performing um, when we weren't in the classroom. Um, and so I, I loved it. Um, I really, really enjoyed my time in that program. Um, and while it was a great program with great opportunities, um, there was this underlying issue for me um, of me not trying to accept my sexuality. Um, so that, like I said, this was a, it was a Christian school. Um, and I, you know, I was entrenched in this program and I was, um, getting opportunities all over the place. Uh Um, but, uh, in order for me to kind of, you know, really give myself, um, to all of that, mm-hmm. I had to, you know, actively not be, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, accepting the fact that I was gay. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but I can get more into that in a little bit. Uh, sure. so like I said, I was, I was, uh, studying composition, um, and I was writing for just about anybody that would sing my stuff. <laughs> um, so I would send um, send out little snippets or arrangements to people. Um, any any group that I sang in, whether it was a you know seven person vocal group or a big choir or a band, I was sending stuff out. Um, and it's really where I found a passion um for writing because up until up until college i i had never written anything mm-hmm. um but so i i really really love that i know this is called the the working singer podcast but mm-hmm. for me my my career as a singer and my career as a arranger and composer are are so intertwined mm-hmm. um and that path has been so you know step by step next to each other the whole time mm-hmm. um so it like I kind of have to talk about both of them. <laughs> of course, absolutely. And I want you to, so please yeah. do. Um, but so all that to say, my, my time at this school um, really set me on a path for a career in Christian music. You know, I was making connections um, in Nashville and with Christian publishers. Um, and it, it really seemed like I had this trajectory um, to be a, a Christian artist and a Christian songwriter. Um, and all along, um, I just, I had this deep rooted fear, um, that I was never going to be really fully happy mm. in that because I couldn't, I couldn't be myself. Um, so, and you know, so I, I couldn't, I couldn't continue down that path knowing that there was a dead end somewhere, you know, if I was, if I was going to really throw myself into this Christian music career, that kind of meant I was either going to be alone, um, or I was, you know, going to be living a lie and I wasn't okay with either of those things. Mm. So I uh, decided to come out and I posted a coming out video on YouTube um, that went 
semi-viral. I mean, viral considering what what else I had posted at the time. <laughs> um, and I was not I was not expecting that at all. Um, and in in the wake of that, you know, I had pastors that were offering me jobs, and those were taken away, which I figured was going to be the case. Yeah. Um, and I lost some friends. Um, and the diff the the coming out process was was difficult for my family. Um, we're we're doing better now. Um, yeah. Things are things are better now, but it was it was rough for a little while. Um, but all that to say it was so incredibly worth it because the 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 things that fell away in that coming out process were things that had to fall away Absolutely. in order for me to step into quote unquote my destiny what where i needed to be moving yeah. towards um and i i got such a such a like a a huge welcoming and open arms from so many other people who were who were proud of me for for being willing to to step out in such a public way um so i it, it while it was difficult and while it was painful um i'm i'm so glad that i did it because oh. because i'm i'm where i am today be, because of that yeah yeah oh. Oh my God, I love that. Um, yeah. How can I keep from crying? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so good. You know, I, um, yeah, I, I'm so happy you said that. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are some listening who are possibly in the same boat. And when I, you know, I'd seen your posts and I've read your bio, I saw where you went to school. I went to school in Riverside as well. Oh, did you? Yeah, um, UC Riverside. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I grew up in that area. I went to a private Christian school um, all through, uh, you know, my formative years. And I, you know, so I kind of put two and two together. And I thought, and I wondered, you know, and I, mm. I, um, I just kind of know what that mentality is like. Right, right, right. And um, so I think it is so wonderful that you came out and God, it is so, you know, in at the age that you did. I mean, um, how old were you when you when you came out? I was uh, 24. I was 24. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know... And now you've got the whole, it's like you've shed this, you know, shed this mask and you've got your whole rest of your life, you know, ahead of you and you can be yourself. You yeah. Know? And yeah. that's not an easy thing. Hmm. Um, even when you're quote unquote, you know, uh, you know. Living quote, quote, in the quote traditional life. Traditional, it's still yeah. hard to be yourself. You know, mm -hmm. everybody wants to tell everybody else what to do. So I really admire that you did that you know it's so brave thank you, that you thank you it. oh my god i love it i you know bless you yeah. beautiful yeah and a lot of people my my parents included were confused as to why i needed to be so public in coming out like why why did you need to post a public video um and truth be told it was just because i was so 
emotionally exhausted from having the conversation of coming out one on one on one on one with all these people um and and at that at that time in my life it you know i waited till i had graduated to come out but that last year i you know it seemed like every other week some pastor was coming to talk to me about, you know, hey, we, we'd love for you to be our, our worship leader, our music minister. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to sit him down and say, okay, well, what's your stance on LGBT affirmation? <laughs> and I just couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, it was too, like, not embarrassing, but just exhaustive to have somebody say, you're perfect for what we need. And then as soon as I say, okay, well, I'm gay just kidding you're not perfect we don't want you anymore and i just couldn't do it anymore so i i had to post something that was public so that when i walk in the door um and when a door opens for me and i and i walk into it i know that i belong here and there's not a question of am i you know am i okay to take this job um you know so so that's why it, it had to be that way and and i'm glad that that it was uh i love it yeah so i so that was when i had just graduated Mm -hmm. um and came out Mm -hmm. um and any of the you know networking and work that i had built up in my college program was essentially like useless at that point um so here I am, a, a postgrad with really nothing but Christian experience um, and contacts, and all of the music that I wrote in college was all Christian contemporary uh, music and and Christian contemporary choral arrangements. Mm-hmm. So you know, and the publishers they won't work with me as a as an out the the Christian publishers won't work with me as an out gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm essentially starting from scratch, and I have these pieces of paper that tell me I have a bachelor's and a master's of music, but I have, you know, giant question marks as to what what am I going to do next? Uh, and I think a lot of people end up in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did um, was I reached out to as many people as I could um, that I saw living the kind of life that I wanted to live, um, in terms of career. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first one, um, his name is Drew Tablack. He's actually my boyfriend now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Drew, uh, he's a full-time performer and singer. He sings with the, um, the jazz acapella group impact. Um, and he does session work. He's also a voice teacher. Um, and so I, I got, uh, drinks with him one night and asked him, you know, how, how do you do this? How do you, how do you have a career as a, as a performer full time? And you don't do, you don't have a day job. You don't have to, you know, serve tables at night. Mm -hmm. Um, and he gave me some great advice. Um, he said, it's all about setting up revenue streams for yourself. Mm. Very, very, very few people in the music industry have one gig that that's where they get all of their income from. Mm. Um, so you have to 
have all these different lanes. Um, and so, you know, he told me about, about his. And so that was for me to kind of process and say, okay, well, what, what, uh, what can I do? What can, what can my revenue streams be? Um, and how can I, you know, maximize the skill sets that I have? Mm-hmm. Um, and then another person that was super helpful, um, was Vangie Gunn. Um, she was actually one of my, uh, voice teachers in college and she's a big session singer in LA. Um, and she, you know, really took me under her wing and helped me get plugged in with the industry and, uh, booked me on my first major session. So I'm super grateful to her, um, for helping to open that door. And then as a, as an arranger, um, uh, Mark Hayes was absolutely invaluable to me. Um, and Mark is, is great because, uh, he comes from a very, very similar story to me. Um, and you know, some of the, a lot of my favorite songs that we performed in college were Mark Hayes songs. And I had no idea that he, uh, was also, uh, gay and had come out and had gotten blacklisted by publishers. Um, yeah. So, so I, uh, I had sent him a Facebook message and I just, uh, I think this was even before I had come out and I said, Mark, um, you know, I, I found a a story online about you coming out and I just want to say, you know, what an inspiration you are to me and to so many other, you know, gay kids sitting in church fearing for their lives that, um, Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that you exist purely and that you're willing to be yourself. Um, and he saw it months and months later and, and sent me a message back. Um, and so we connected a little bit and about, about our similar stories. Um, and Mm. when I had come out, I told him, you know, I feel like my dream of being a, a, a composer and an arranger had to die with me coming out. Um, and he said, Connor, your dream doesn't have to die. It just has to change. And I really took those words to heart. Um, and, and he, you know, really helped set me on the right path when it came to the, the arranging game. And, um, so, you know, now, now I've got three songs published and, and I've got a lot of, a lot of commission stuff coming in actually, which is amazing. Um, so, so yeah, those three people were incredibly influential, um, in kind of, you know, that, that post-grad period of my life where I'm saying, okay, what, what am I doing now? Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm just rambling. So if you have to jump oh, in no with questions at any time, um, you're just telling your story and you know, yeah. saying, you know, okay, well, I guess my dream has to die. And I'm just thinking, no, the lie dies, you know, now you can just like yes. live your life. Yes. <laughs> you know? And it's, uh, no, no, you know, nobody's got a, an easy run, but if you can just at least get through this very difficult life, at the very least accepting yourself and being accept, surrounding yourself with people who accept you, mm. you know, and you accept them and they love you for you. And you don't have to wonder what's going to happen when you 
walk in a room or when you walk into a building and they find out, you know, it's just, yeah, you've got yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands off. So I, I, I applaud, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that you connected with yeah. people and that you really um, took your story and your life into your own hands, you know, and mm -hmm. were able to do that. I think it's, I think it's like more rare than we think. Cause like people spiral sometimes after, you know, having experience yeah. like that either coming out or something else happens in their life and they just go down and they don't know what to do. And it just shows a real strength, uh, you know, strength and spirit. You know, I, I really admire that. Yeah. Truly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so for those who, um, so for those who uh, don't know what publishing is, what it is, what is it to be published? What, what is publishing? Yeah. Well, so <clears throat> there are a handful of, of well, I, I can speak to the, the choral music industry um, because that's, that's the one that I know. But so there are a handful of publishers of choir music, Hal Leonard, Alfred are the, the two really big ones, but there's, and there's a, a bunch of subsidiaries of them. Um, but so a, as a, as an arranger or a composer, I would send um, the publisher my arrangement. Mm -hmm. If I've made a demo, I might send the demo with the arrangement mm -hmm. um, and say, you know, would you consider publishing this in your upcoming cycle? Um, and they'll look at it and say, you know, we don't like this one. We do like this one. Uh, this one won't work with our season, you know, whatever their plethora of reasons for things are. Um, but so my, the first one that I got a, a yes on um, was an acapella arrangement that I did of uh, the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Mm. Um, and that, getting that one published was kind of like full circle for me because, you know, here I was saying uh, all of this Christian material that I've written and that I'm proud of and love, but is not going to serve me at all in my professional career. Um, and I'm kind of putting it away. Mm. Here I am, th that's the first one I got published, you know? Wow. So that was, that was a, a super cool moment for me. Um, and then I have a, a Star Spangled Banner that, that uh, Alfred published um, just a couple months ago. Um, and then, uh, I have an original, original choir piece coming out with a publisher in Florida called Excelsia. Um, so, so yeah, so you would send, you send the publisher your stuff and then they sell it to all of their subscribers. So if I'm a choir director in, you know, Minnesota, I might be subscribed to these major publishers and then every year they send me a stack of a hundred arrangements for me to listen through and say okay this will work for my group this will work for my church group you know um and so then they buy the arrangements from the publisher and then the publisher cuts you a check for for your portion um and you certainly make a much smaller cut than if you were selling the arrangement on your own Mm -hmm. but your audience is so so much broader and especially for someone like me who had absolutely zero name recognition as a composer mm -hmm. having those published arrangements now all of these um choir directors are seeing my name so then they might you know 
go over to my website and buy uh, uh, an arrangement that is not published and then I get a larger cut um, of it. Mm -hmm. So publishing, it, it's a, a tough game uh, um, financially unless you have, you know, an enormous library of published music, um, which is the goal, obviously. <laughs> uh, but that's something to to work towards for sure. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, and tell me about. Um, let me see. Tell me about uh, session singing. What's that? Yeah. Like? Um. Yeah. So, well, let me get into that actually, because um, that's not really how I got my 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 start in in the performing industry. Um, although it is where I'm, you know, making a, a, a good living now. Um, so when I, after, in, in my period of postgraduate existential crisis, um, mm -hmm. I was making a game plan. Um, I was working an office job um, and I was scouring online for auditions and sending emails out. Um, recording my vocal reel in my apartment um, because I wanted to perform. Um, and that's what I was going to do. And I was sure of it. Um, mm -hmm. So there were actually like four, yeah, four things that all hit me at once. And it was like, I went from zero from sitting at a desk Monday through Friday to mm -hmm all right, I'm, I'm a full-time performer. And that for me, it happened almost overnight, like in the span of a month. Yeah. Um, and that does not happen for everybody. Yeah. Um, but so I had to be ready for that, you know? Um, so what happened was, uh, I, I got cast in two different shows at Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, so I, uh, did the Grinchmas boy band, um, for a, they, they have a Christmas uh, special at Universal called, called Grinchmas, where they redo an area to look like Whoville. Oh, fun. Um, so I had my little Who Knows on, um, <laughs> and it was a five-person acapella group. Um, so that, that happened, and I also got cast in the Hogwarts School Frog Choir at Universal, mm -hmm. um, which is another acapella group. Um, and... I got hired at Disneyland in Anaheim doing the uh, the Disney Junior Dance Party, which is a high energy half hour sing your face off and dance like no one's watching <laughs> show for the little kids. Um, and that is a lot of fun. Um, and then I uh, booked this group called Decapella um, and Disney, uh, Walt Disney Records wanted to put together an acapella group um, with uh, Deke Sharon as the music director. Mm -hmm. um, so they did a, a national casting call and and I somehow made it through. Um, at the time, I had very, very little professional experience. So I was walking into the that audition thinking, it's just good to be seen. There's no way I'm getting cast in this. <laughs> um, but I did, and wow. and we recorded an album that came out in uh, November 
Um, it's called Decapella, and I'm I'm on half half of the album. They they double cast the group, um, and so I got to record on half of the album, and it was completely surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as they're planning for the national tour, um, the marketing team had to make some decisions and unfortunately me and half of the group ended up getting cut um so now there's just seven um on the road um and that was really a like my first hollywood lesson you know what i mean um and i'm grateful that i that i learned it while I had so many other things going on at the same time. Mm. Um, cause I, I think if I, if that had been my only thing and I had to go back to, you know, sitting in my, at my office, mm. I, I would have been, that would have been much more difficult than it was. Yeah. Um, and out of that experience, um, you know, being connected with Deke, um, allowed me to meet so many other people that were working in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not shy about, I want to be a session singer. <laughs> I told everybody I could, you know, how do you get into session singing? I really want to do this. I feel like I'm e- equipped to do it well. You know, I can sight read, I can sing by ear. Just please, how do, how do I do this? Tell me. Uh-huh. Um, I was not shy about it. Um, and that served me well. Um, so the the session singing industry, it's you've got to be so on your toes the whole time um, because you walk into a room with people that you may never have sung with before to see music that you've never seen before. And the people that are writing the checks, you know, they're writing big checks, so they want this to go quick. They want it, you gotta be, you know, if you're, if we gotta do another take because you messed up or you can't read a part, somebody's not gonna be happy. So you gotta be, you gotta be good. Um, and um, so there's a handful of people in LA that are, you know, the, the big wigs of the session singing industry, you know, Tim Davis, Laura Dickinson, Wendy Wagner. Um, and so for me, uh, I was just, you know, I made a good vocal re- demo, uh, a studio reel that I was proud of, and I would send it out to people and ask for their opinions um, and their feedback. Um, and the call started coming in. Um, for a newbie in, in the session singing world, you know, you're starting at the bottom of the call list. Mm-hmm but at least you're on the list. (laughs) Um, So when the first call person's sick and the second call person has another gig and the third call person's out of town, they pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, can you be in Santa Monica in three hours? (laughs) And and I get in my car and sit in traffic. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I I got into it. Um, And I... Personally, I love it. You know, it's not some people, it's not for everybody. Um, but I love that, that feeling of, you know, 
when when you get into a studio and you've got singers around you that you've not all sung together before everybody's kind of got their like musical feelers out for like okay how's this gonna go we're all listening we're all blending we're all making music together mm -hmm. we're a group of strangers but well maybe not strangers maybe we are friends but but uh, uh the the group itself is a new new setting right. you know how can we make this come to life yeah. um and i love that i love the the being on my toes and mm -hmm. sight reading um, so, so yeah, that's been my experience. What's in a, what is, I'm sure a lot of people will be wondering what is in a good demo reel? What do you think got your mm. attention? Yeah. Um, so I know Laura Dickinson's done a, a workshop on this. Um, and, and mm. Tim Davis definitely helped, um, kind of coach the, the skeleton of what mine would be. Um, so a good demo reel, um, first of all, it's short. The first demo reel that I made was like over five minutes <laughs> and, um, and I had sent that to, to Drew Tablack and he was like, okay, you sound great, but no one's going to listen to this. Uh, and honestly, I'm thinking, of course they're going to listen to it. But now when people send me vocal reels and they're five minutes long, I'm like, I don't have time for this. So it is so true. Um, uh, so you know, Tim's rule is under two minutes. Okay. Um, so I think mine is like a, a minute 58. I packed it full as much as I could. Uh, but so it shows off, it shows off your voice, you know? So what are your strong suits? Put those at the front of mm -hmm. your demo. So for mine, um, I have pop and I have rock. I have musical theater and I have Disney. And those are my first four uh quote unquote voices um, that I have at the front, the front end of it. Um, so you want to have something that shows off, this is the style I can sing in, this is the genre I can sing in, this is what I sound like, this is what my voice is capable of. Um, uh, so, and it's all about showing the colors of your voice because if you're sending out a, a, a reel, you don't know, like whoever's listening to it, you don't know what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a high tenor, but I have a, a baritone song in the middle of my demo um, because I want to show whoever, whoever's hiring that I don't have to just sing high. You know, I can sing whatever you need. Yeah. Um, and so you want to be able to show all of the colors that you're capable of while also like making sure that those are good colors. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stick in a, a bass aria in my, in my reel because you know, that's not where I'm going to shine. Um, mm. But I do want it to show off everything that I can do. Mm. So um, awesome. How, how much reading do you do? Do you think, um, because I've come across some people who are lately who are um, seasoned session singers who mm -hmm. who don't read. So yeah. are yeah. there? Have you got your people who you know read and you call them and who don't read but are technically great and can get the emotion across and all that? Yes. How does that yeah. generally work? I think that the <clears throat> the session singing world is most definitely split between readers and people that don't read but that sing by ear and are quick um and sessions are kind of split that way too you know 
session singers will even even say they'll specify yeah it was a reading session okay. so you know that might be uh, something for disney right and they want music for a parade so they bring in singers and you know we got to sing 16 minutes of music um and we're just cranking it through versus doing uh you know a session for for uh michael buble where they get the music ahead of time they might rehearse they you know or or uh if you're singing backgrounds for something i've done sessions where where I'm not even going anywhere. I'm doing it at, at my own home studio. Um, and they just say, we want background vocals. Can you, can you arrange something and record it? And I, I record it and then they say, that's great. We don't even need to re-record it. Um, and that is all by ear. Mm -hmm. um, so there, you don't have to read in order to be a session singer. Mm -hmm. It's just, if you can read, you're opening yourself up to so many more opportunities. Right, right. Yeah. Nice. Um, that question does come up a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> for many of us. So yeah. you also do um, voiceover work, is that right? I do, I do a little bit of voiceover. Uh, that is an industry that I would like to get more into. Mm -hmm. um, and mostly it's just because I have my own home studio. And so that goes a long way. I think that's, that's advice that I've, I've seen given out a lot. Um, and especially as uh, the entire world moves more into, you know, a, a mobile environment, having your own setup mm -hmm. um, is, is gonna be crucial for working musicians. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you listening, uh, Jamila and I met at a workshop um, well, uh, last week, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and something that was said at that workshop uh, was, you know, there are still a handful of beautiful, amazing studios in LA, but so much more of music is being made on laptops and at home and in people's closets, and Grammys are being won by records that were recorded in somebody's closet. Yeah. Um, and so having your own gear and your own setup um, is gonna be crucial yeah. um, for somebody that, that wants to do voiceover um, and, and somebody that wants to be able to, to you know, work as a, as a voiceover artist and as a, as a session singer. Yeah. What kind of setup do you have? So I have um, the 25-inch iMac. I think it's 25. Watch the tech people listening to this are going to say, there's no 25 inches. <laughs> <laughs> but so I have, I have a, an iMac, mm -hmm. um, and I have a little keyboard that's attached to it. I have a, um, an N2TA Rode microphone um, that has kind of been my go-to um, it comes, there's like a, a $500 package, uh, thing that comes with a microphone and, a pop filter, um, and, and all of the stuff that you need to, to record with. Um, and so I got that many years ago. Um, yeah. and my voice sounds good on this microphone. Um, there's a lot, there's obviously a lot more 
uh, many more expensive microphones on the market. Um, but this is my trusty one that has been serving me well. Um, so, so yeah, that's my setup. And then I, I have, um, uh, what is this even called? Uh, one of those uh, windshields that attaches to the back behind your microphone right. um, to kind of absorb any, uh, any excess sound. Right. Yeah. So it's a simple setup. You know, I, it's not, I don't have a whole, you know, treated walls and soundproof everything. Um, you know, so. Well, that's great. So this, if you yeah. Stuff that people are just willing to accept. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, well, and, and here's the thing, like if for, for me, I did have to sit down and learn how to mix. Um, and you know, I, I took the time to learn how to use logic. Um, and that's mostly what I use, but, but pro tools is another one that a lot of people, um, swear by. And so I did have to learn, okay, here's how I can, you know, dress this up. Let me, you know, remove the motorcycle sound that's in the back. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? So, so I did have to learn how to do that. Yeah. Um, but if you're recording quality things, you know, I know people who have, um, you know, recorded a, a demo for national commercials in their garage and the people casting it said, this is great. And then you get the check for being in the commercial, um, instead of them re-recording it with somebody else. So anytime, uh, you're sending something to someone, um, that's you singing or, you know, whatever it is, if you make sure that it is at your best and the highest quality that you can send, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to serve you really well. Mm. And not to, not to go too, in too much of a, a rabbit hole, but how did you learn how to mix? Did you do any kind of course or something you'd read? Uh, no, I, you know, it was just kind of working on projects. Um, I would watch some YouTube videos for tips and, and tricks and stuff. Um, but no, I, the one that I really, you know, kind of sat down and slaved over it was, um, the making the demo for my beat on my vision, um, that I, that I sold to Alfred. Um, what I, I made the demo for that myself and I, I got some singers, um, that were, were friends of mine, um, a couple professional people to come in and, and sing, sing on it. And then, you know, I spent a many, many weeks, um, getting that to sound the way that I wanted to. Um, so it was just, you know, going to YouTube, typing in how to, you know, make choirs sound good and yeah. taking little tips and tricks from there and, and figuring out how I wanted it to be. Well, you know, I think this has been really good. This is a lot of, this is a lot of great info. I think it'll be really, um, you know, informative and, and inspiring for a lot of people. So is there anything else you want to, you know, you want to say maybe to, you know, somebody who, uh, may be in your situation, who may have been, may be in a situation that you were in and, mm. um, you know, what would you say to them? Yeah. Well, to somebody that wants to get into any really this advice goes across the board, but mm -hmm. for anybody that wants to get into performing, singing, session singing, arranging, 
the biggest thing I think is just to ask questions, is to be aware, to be observant of, you know, what are these people doing? These people who are doing what I want to do, what are their, you know, what are their tips and tricks? How, what is their process? Um, and I've learned so much from just observing other people um, and, and taking, you know, little, little bits of what they do and, and apply them into my own, my own life and my own process. Um, I think younger people uh, definitely have a tendency to um, over put, put themselves out there in a way that is not, uh, uh, how do I say this? It's not looking at other people to say, is this the right way to do it? Mm. Um, and for me, being observant was mm. a, a big, big helpful one yeah. um, for getting into the performing industry. Um, and for for anyone who might be in a similar situation that I was in, you know, five, six years ago, um, I would say that dreams, dreams and passions are so crucial to our own well-being, um, our, our spirit and our quality of life. Um, for me, I really thought that I had to choose between, uh, you know, my personal happiness and my passion. And th that was not the case. Mm. I just had to find realistic outlets for that passion mm. and for my dreams. Um, because realistic dreams can come true with work and dedication um, and the willingness to step out and say, this is what I got. Mm. But you do have to have some self-awareness of saying, this is where I fit. Mm. And I know that me as an out gay affirming man, I, there's not a place for me right now, at least in the Christian contemporary music industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had to like wrap my head around that and say, well, there's not a place for me there, but there is a place for me here. Mm. And that could be just as fulfilling as the other one, you know? Um, so my, my career path has not looked like I thought it would. Mm. Um, but things are working out really well. Um, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for, for the journey that I've been on and for all of the twists and turns that, that have led me here. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Connor. I really, oh God, this was just like, so this is making my entire day. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love this. I, you know, just for your generosity and your openness and your honesty and your bravery and, and all of it. And just having so much self-awareness, you know, how long it takes some of us <laughs> mm. to get to that place and to yeah. have gotten it, you know, so early on 
is a really just a blessing, you know, and well, true thank freedom, you, real freedom, I think. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what's to come with you because it's yeah. really, exciting, really exciting. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Wow, you guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, the show has got me, the show in particular has had me thinking so much about um, self-acceptance, just being honest with yourself and, you know, how much courage and bravery and self-love it takes to be honest, you know, not first with yourself and then with the world around you and the way that, you know, Connor just kind of took possession of how he was going to come out and that he was going to come out and just took, you know, ownership of the fact that it, it meant he was going to lose some things and he was fine with that. You know, sometimes you just don't know, you know, what can, what can happen. You just don't know what's going to happen, you know, most of the time. Sometimes you think you know and you don't. And, you know, um, what he did know for sure was that he could not, you know, live a lie and he could not live knowing that the rug could be pulled up from under him. So what a way of, you know, really taking charge of your own life, accepting yourself and just moving forward with it and telling the world to just deal with it, you know, and just being a good person in the world, on the planet. That is really what matters you know, your contribution to the world and the value that you create is what is important. It's what matters. And I just love him so much for coming on and, you know, talking about this. I think it is just so beautiful and courageous and, and, you know, all the good things, all the good things. So here we go with the quote unquote singing lessons. These are takeaways from the show. And these are also available for download as a cheat sheet in the episode notes of this episode. So definitely go in there and, and uh, get your cheat sheet. Uh, number one, publishing is a tough game unless you have an enormous library of published music. Number two, the session singer world is definitely split between readers and non-readers who sing by ear, but are definitely quick to learn parts. Number three, not every session singer can sight read, but it definitely opens up more doors if you do. Number four, You've got to be on your toes to sing with people you might not know very well and sing music you've never heard before. The people signing your check want it to go quick. Number five, you have to be good at what you do, period. <laughs> Number six, if you're new to the session world, you're starting at the bottom of the call list. Number seven, a good demo reel is under two minutes long and shows off your voice, your strong suits, genres you can sing in, and the different colors of your voice. Number eight, if you want to do voiceover and demo work, it's crucial in this day and age to have your own home studio set up, and it can be very simple. Number nine, ask questions, be aware, and observant. Watch other people's process. Number 10, dreams and passions are so crucial to our own well-being, our spirit, and our quality of life. So good. Well, guys, thank you so much again for listening. Um, please join us on the Facebook group. That's the Working Singer Podcast community on Facebook. Come in, introduce yourself, ask any questions about this episode, any other episodes you've heard. Um, 
about work, anything that you're confused about, anything strange that's coming up. You know, we've got a big group of singers who have, like I've said, been there, done that, and they can ferret out any nonsense. Um, at the very least, you know, tell you what you need on your gig. Um, if you're kind of new to that, if you're new to that thing, how to find a music director, um, and any manner of other questions that you might have. If you've got more questions about doing session work, we've got a lot of session singers in the group. Um, questions about doing live work. We've got, you know, singers who uh, have toured and been on stages all over the world in the group, and they are here to help. So join the Facebook group. Also rate and subscribe and comment on the podcast. It really does help more people to find the podcast and just have this as another resource in what can be a very vague and indefinable um you know, profession. We're really just trying to, you know, consolidate everything we know, you know, here and, you know, make it that much easier for you to navigate. So definitely pop on to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and comment and subscribe and share it with your friends so that they're, um, so that they have this as a resource as well. So again, you guys, thank you so much for joining me. And I love you, I appreciate you, and I will see you next week.